Well, hey, everyone. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the Off the Bench podcast. You guys, we made it through January. I made it through the snowstorm here, and now the weather thinks it's springtime. It's February, and the birds are chirping, and the frogs are croaking, and I am loving every single solitary second of it. This is Mailbox Monday. I digress. This is Mailbox Monday. I'm going to answer your questions today. we got a lot of great ones. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, I'm glad you guys have joined me today. Thanks for tuning in. I love, as always, to see the kinds of questions you guys are sending me and the things that are on your heart. And also just to get some feedback from you. You guys can leave feedback for me and you can also submit a question by going to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday. want to remind you that we have a brand new website up and we're pretty, pretty quickly going to get some more really awesome stuff in the online store there. And want to encourage you to uh, to check that out. You can also see my speaking schedule at the new website. And uh, it's been a long time coming. So check it out. Let me know what you think. I'd love to hear back from you. Also, I'm going to continue just to ask because I really appreciate it. You guys are helping. If you can hop on over to Amazon and leave the reviews, especially for my newest book, The Mom Strong 365 Devotional, that would be great. If you haven't purchased it yet, you can do it there or anywhere that book's are sold. Coming up on February 16th and 17th, my friend Phil Gunger is going to be right here in beautiful Vancouver, Washington for Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. And I told you guys before, and I'm, I'm just going to keep saying it, you know, marriage is under attack in the culture more than I have ever seen it be. Uh, every time we turn around, we're watching, you know, we, we can't even answer the question, what is a woman? And our marriages are struggling and our, and our children are struggling. This is a really great opportunity for you just to get away, enjoy some time with that person that you loved enough to commit to for your entire life. Uh, The doors are going to open on the 16th at uh, Friday night, the 16th at 6 p.m. And we're going to be serving up some treats at that point. We're going to start off with a session called A Tale of Two Brains. This is how I first heard about, about Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. And I'm telling you what, you guys are going to laugh yourself silly. I loved it because he absolutely nails the differences between men and women. I cannot recommend this more highly. I think you're going to love it. The second session we're going to do on Friday night, right after A Tale of Two Brains, is called The Number One Key to Incredible Sex. You're not going to want to miss it. We're going to come back Saturday morning at nine o'clock for some coffee and donuts and get right into session three. It's called Becoming Compatible. You know, people think you have to be compatible to be married, and I don't think that's true at all. I think incompatibility is is a key to a great marriage, but we want to be able to work together. And Phil's going to talk to you about how you can do that. And finally, session number four, how to stay married and not kill anybody. You guys, come on. Don't miss this opportunity. Come on out. Uh, Tickets are found at firmlyplantedfamily.org. Just click on the events tab or you can go to the show notes today and I will link back to that. My women's conference, Shine, a Faith That Speaks conference, is going to be held here the first weekend in March, and that is a wonderful opportunity for any of you to to come and bring your women's Bible study, bring your church group, bring your daughter uh, or your best friend, and I'm telling you what, you're going to be encouraged. We're going to worship together. My family does the worship for those events, and it's just a really special opportunity for us to engage with you and teach you how to engage the culture from a position 
of Christian authority and understanding what God's word says about how we can actually shine in the world right now. So I hope you guys will come out for that. All right, let's talk about your questions today because as usual, you guys are sending in some really great ones. I'm going to start off with an anonymous listener from Canada. And she said, Heidi, what are your thoughts on women wearing head coverings in church? I was away from my church for a few weeks due to the holiday and sickness. And when I returned, all of a sudden, some women had started wearing head coverings. I would like to understand why. Well, that's a really good question. You probably were going to want to ask them that. But I have uh, spoken on this issue before. And as I've told you guys last time I addressed it, the very best explanation, the one that I agree with most, I think these guys absolutely nailed it, is found at gotquestions.org. And I'm going to link back to it in the show notes today. Uh, this comes from a passage in 1 Corinthians Uh, chapter 11 in verses three to 16, and it addresses the issue of women and head coverings. The context of the passage in 1 Corinthians 11 is submission to God-given authority under the chain of command. We've talked about this at the show before. We know that God created uh, men. He created Adam first, and then he created Eve, and God has established an order of authority in his creation, and it is one of headship and submission. And as women, we are actually called to submit to the loving leadership of our husbands. That's a whole other podcast, and we can get into it another time. But this really is what this is about. A covering on a woman's head in Bible times is used as an illustration of order of headship and of the authority of God. So the key verse in the passage is 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. And this is what it says. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So the Bible lays out the order of authority that's given to us in Scripture. And the implications of this verse are found in the rest of the passage. So the order God gives you is God the Father, God the Son, the man or the husband, and the woman or wife. And so the veil or covering on the head of a believing Corinthian wife showed that she was under the authority of her husband and therefore under submission to God. And so this was a this was an important uh issue back in the days of the early church. God's order, of course, is that the husband is the head of wife as God is the head of the church, but there's no inequality or inferiority implied. God and Christ are equal and united, just as the husband and wife are one. So this is not a passage that teaches a woman is inferior to man or that she should be submissive to every man. This is something that I have heard uh, taught in many churches right now. It is absolutely antithetical to how God views women. Instead, this is teaching God's order and spiritual headship in the marriage relationship. And in the Corinthian culture, and this is what you need to understand about this passage, in the Corinthian culture, a woman who covered her head during worship or when she was in public, was doing it as a symbol to display her submission to authority. But in today's culture, we no longer view a woman wearing a head covering as a sign of submission. In most modern societies, scarves and hats are just fashion accessories. So a woman has a choice to wear a head covering if she views it as a sign of her submission to the authority of her husband. However, it is a personal choice and not something that we should use to judge somebody based on this passage in scripture. So I will link back to this uh, again in the show notes for you. Um, I love how they ended this. God is far more concerned with the attitude of submission than an outward display of submission via a head covering. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 to 10, the apostle Paul, in giving an instruction to young Timothy, who was getting ready to take his place out on the mission field, said, I also want women to dress modestly, 
with decency and propriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. I would love to see us get uh, away from this this idea that that is something that we wear, aka head covering, that says whether or not we're in submission to God or in submission to our husband. Of course, you have the perfect right to be able to do that, but it is not something that we should be judging each other by. Let's get back to the conversation of what does a life in submission to God, a woman's life, look like? Uh, I I believe that it would it, we would see a return in the church to modesty. I think we would we would see a return to uh, class. You know these women who hold themselves with grace and dignity, and uh, this is a sign of a woman who is following hard after God, and it should be reflected in the way that we respond toward other people. It should be reflected in the way that we run our homes and in the way that we love our husbands and the people that are around us. So I think this is a perfect example of why we continue to say, this is the most important thing. Man looks on the outside, right? But God, the Bible says, looks at the heart. And so it really is a condition of the heart. That was a great question. Thank you for sending it in. Mandy in Michigan wrote in to say, hey, Heidi, this is a comment Thanks. And I'm listening to your Myth of Education podcast right now. And I want to say that after working for just one year at our Christian elementary school, which we previously loved and trusted because we weren't seeing the inside, I saw the rot. Transgender flags in first grade rooms, pronouns in teacher signatures, being falsely accused of racism multiple times, and staff whose heart were not turned to God. Needless to say, we pulled our kids out of the so-called Christian school, and I quit working there, obviously. We are now happily homeschooling for the first year. My boys are fourth, second, and kindergarten. Your encouragement and zest help me get excited and thankful that I get to homeschool my boys. I love this, Mandy, and I think as more and more parents start saying, you know what, if the Bible says that when a student is fully trained, he'll be like his teacher. Maybe, just maybe, I should know who's teaching my child. And I think when we take that heart posture and we want to know who's teaching our kids, all of a sudden, you I mean, once you once you hear that and understand it, you can't unhear it. Once you see what's happening in the schools, you can't unsee it. So, Mandy, I applaud you for taking your kids out of the public school system. You're going to see an incredible, or actually out of this Christian school, for goodness sake, uh, good job. You're going to see as you look back, this has absolutely been the case in my life and in many of the lives of the parents that I know that have taken their kids out of these school systems, you're going to look back and say, that was one of the best decisions that we ever made for our kids. Paige in Texas left a comment on my podcast on fasting. And she said, hey, Heidi, I'm a longtime listener. Absolutely love you and everything you stand for. Well, thank you, Paige. Uh, she said, I really, I recently listened to your podcast about fasting and enjoyed all that you said. I remember the last time I fasted, it was when you ran for office. So, uh, Paige, this is why I'm reading this, this, uh, comment on the show today. I wanted to say thank you to you for praying for me and for fasting for me as I ran for Congress. I believe, and I think I said this to you guys the other day, but God is calling us to a position of a posture of prayer. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. 
And prayer is powerful. It doesn't mean that we don't, you know, like you guys heard me say with to my friend, you know, Bryce Eddy last last week on the show, it doesn't mean that we just pray and then stick our head in the sand. No, we pray and we ask God for instruction. Here we are, Lord. We're taking this time. We're coming before you. We're humbly admitting that we need your help, that we can't do this without you. And then we're asking God to direct us as only he can. Paige went on to say, oh my goodness, I think the Lord wants me to fast. I'm writing to share what I learned. How do you get maximum satisfaction with the Lord? You pair prayer with fasting. There are seven reasons why to fast. Fast to intensify your prayer. Fast for clarity. Fast because of your sin. Fast for God's movement. Fast when facing persecution. Fast for victory in the midst of temptation. And finally, fast as a display of love to God. Uh, Paige, I love this. Thank you for sending it in to me. And I agree. I think we are entering into a season where prayer is going to be more important than we will ever have remembered it to be in our lifetime. And I agree with you. Fasting is a tremendous part of that. A parenting question came in from Lauren in Washington. And she said, do you have any tips or advice on how to handle a four-year-old that talks back constantly? Well, in my house, there were a couple things that we absolutely did not tolerate. One of them was disrespect. And really, when you think about it, that is what your four-year-old is doing. Your four-year-old has a wrong understanding of who is actually in authority in the home. And he thinks, apparently, that he is. If he understood that he wasn't the one in authority in the home, I promise you he would not be talking to you that way. So we want to teach our children to respect those in authority over them. And this isn't a blind submission. This isn't a blind respect. This isn't, you know, I heard someone say the other day that when you teach children to just respect their parents and to obey their parents, then you've taught them that they can be a victim to anyone's manipulation. That's not true because we're teaching our children to be wise. The Bible says, to honor your father and your mother. It's the first commandment with a promise. And so, uh, Lauren, I, first thing I want to do is just encourage you, when your child talks back to you, the first thing you want to do is stop the conversation and correct your son. I'm sorry, son. I'm sorry, Michael. I'm sorry, Peter. Uh, you can't talk to mom that way. And if you do it again, there's going to be a consequence. Now, you get to determine the consequence uh, and uh, as a mother who has raised seven children, I can tell you that whatever worked on you know, one child might not work for another child. And so you need to be asking the Lord in prayer, Father, what is the currency that this child came to me with? Teach me how to uh, interact with him and transact with him in a currency that he understands. So that might be time out. It might be a spanking. It might be, it might be the removal of, uh, of something that he loves for a time. Uh, anything that you can do to get his attention, but what you want him to understand more than anything else is that A, it is disobedient to you to speak to, him, to for him to speak to you in that tone, but more importantly, it is disobedient to God who said that he is to honor his father and his mother. And that is not honoring. Obviously, when you're talking to a four-year-old, it's going to be hard to explain the concept of honor. And so what, you, what you're doing now is you're just explaining the concept to him of obedience. So when he talks to you in a disrespectful manner, you stop what you're doing. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're in the drive-thru at McDonald's. I don't care if you're at church. I don't care if you're at your homeschool co-op. If you're in the middle of devotions, stop what you're doing and correct your child. 
the years that we have to pour into our children, to correct them, to train them in righteousness go by very, very quickly, and we don't want to miss out. So uh, Lauren, I'm going to encourage you being in the word every day with your kids. You guys check out the Bible and stories. I, I'm I'm loving this series more and more and more. Beautifully illustrated, a wonderful way to get into the Bible with your kids. And actually, as you read these stories, you're going to read stories of parents like you know Eli comes to mind who didn't discipline their children. Find me a bratty, snot-nosed kid on the uh, on the campus of California Berkeley, and I will show you a child who likely was not disciplined by his parents. Discipline, the Bible says, is painful at the time, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And we know we learn these things by simply being in God's word every day. So check out thebibleandstories.com, you guys. Don't forget, I think it's the promo code Heidi, and that'll get you a nice, uh, beautiful discount on those books. But man, you you cannot go wrong. I love them. Beautifully illustrated, just uh, treasures, heirlooms that you're going to want to keep in your family. All right. Another anonymous listener in Florida Heidi, have you heard about Florida's Step Up Scholarship for Homeschoolers called Personalized Education Program, or PEP, P-E-P? Any homeschooler can apply, and the state will give you a set amount of money per child that is registered, thousands of dollars, for your homeschooling needs each year. I've always heard you say not to take any type of government funding for homeschooling, yet many homeschoolers I know have signed up for the scholarship, and I have been hesitant. What are your thoughts on this? Well, Anonymous in Florida, thank you for the question. Uh, My thoughts have not changed on it. With shekels come shackles. The government, believe me when I say, even Ron DeSantis, who I'm a super fan of as a governor there in your great state of Florida, the money that the government gives you, they could actually at any time say, that's our money. What are you doing with it? And if if you follow the history of homeschoolers taking money from the government, you will see that it is beginning to backfire in states where these programs have really taken root. And so I would like to encourage you, why is it? Okay, riddle me this, you guys. Why why do we have to to be bottle-fed by the government? Why? We should be training our children that they can make the money. You don't need thousands of dollars every year to homeschool your children. Right. I mean, I homeschooled seven children on a shoestring and I probably should just do a a podcast on that. I think that this idea that the government is coming in and they're saying, hey, we'll give you money. It's a lure if you look at it that way. Right. It's a it's a lure. It's a way to get you uh, dependent on them for money. I guarantee you it's not going to go anyplace good with shekels come shackles. If the government gives you money, they will have the right to ask what you are doing with said money. There's a reason why our nonprofit never took the PPP money when it was offered to us in COVID, and we have never taken any government money here at the nonprofit organization, and why I encourage homeschoolers not to take government money. Now, is this a sin issue? No, I just think it's unwise. Uh, These, to me, are different than what you call education savings accounts, but when the government comes to you and the government says, hey, sign up for our program, I mean, Alaska, those guys are hostages to the government system there. I don't think they'd know what to do without it because they're so used to uh, drinking from a bottle from the, the government there in Alaska. You guys, we are not called to be servants of the government and taking their money when it uh, when we have not earned it and do not deserve it. People say, well, that's my tax dollars. Well, actually, 
yes, that is your tax dollars. But if your tax dollars are going to fund abortions, do you want that? No. We need to get people into office that understand the freedom, the, the principles of freedom and liberty and stay away as often as you can from taking money for the government, particularly as it relates to home education. I just think it is rife for difficulty. And uh, and so my position on that hasn't changed. Shekels come shackles. If you guys can afford to homeschool your kids and you don't desperately need that, if you desperately need the money, go to places like the Homeschool Legal Defense Association and they have scholarships for people who are truly in need. Uh, and, and they do a beautiful job over there uh, through their foundation of blessing families that are truly in need. But this idea that we should just be going back to the government so the government can stick a bottle in our mouth and we can become like a little two-year-old uh, that's dependent on the government is nauseating to me as a free citizen of the United States. And it should be nauseating to you as well. Uh, this welfare state that the government would like to create inside the homeschool community uh, is a reproach to freedom. Andrea in South Carolina, she says, Heidi, I was saved. And she put that in quotes. I was saved as a child in church, very young, maybe six years old, but I have no recollection of this. Later at 31, I was a broken person and I asked God to help me make, make what he did for me on the cross a reality in my life and to be forgiven. I felt peace come over me like never before. I'm not sure at which point in time I was saved, but my life changed after I was 31. The enemy fills my mind with doubt. How can I move past this when I'm not sure exactly when I was saved? Or was I a prodigal returning home? Well, uh, Andrea, I would I would just encourage you, you know, I don't know why it matters when you were saved. It matters that you're walking with the Lord now. That's what matters. And I think oftentimes the enemy wants us to be looking back, to be frustrated by choices that we made. Um, I can't say if you were saved at the age of six or not because I wasn't there. But God in his mercy has shown you the, uh, the, the longing that he has in his heart to have a personal relationship with you and you've responded. So I think that's reason to rejoice. Whether you, whether you were saved at six and then you walked away from the Lord and became a prodigal and now you came back or you found the real Jesus for the first time at the age of 31, either way to me, that is a reason to rejoice, that you are part of God's forever family, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that the trajectory of your life is gonna reflect the love of your heavenly father who has saved you from your sin and called you his own. And I think it's a I think it's a story to rejoice. So if the enemy fills your mind with doubt, I would turn up the, the worship music and just go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Help me to live my life in a way that pleases you so that the people around me, their lives are touched by what you're doing through me in my life. So uh, Andrea, I think you've got reason to rejoice and I would love to see you just continue to walk in that freedom today. All right, guys, that's all I've got time for today. I'm going to come back for happy hour today. And I'm going to answer a question from an anonymous listener in South Carolina who says that they want to attend church on Wednesday night, but there isn't any nursery provided. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the family integrated church in happy hour today. And for those of you who would like to listen to that, you can subscribe to the Heidi St. John podcast. You can become a VIP uh, listener here at the show. It's a great way for you to support this ministry. If you are encouraged by the ministry of the Off the Bench podcast, we would invite you to subscribe to it on Spotify. It's a way for you to support this ministry and to help keep us keep this show on the air. 
So I'm going to come back for happy hour. Everybody else, thank you guys so much for listening. You can submit a question to me by simply going to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox money. Don't forget to register for my women's conference, Shine. You guys are going to love it. Bring your people and come on out for a weekend that's going to change your life. And if you want to come for the marriage tune-up weekend, laugh your way to a better marriage is being held right here at Friendly Planted Family in beautiful Vancouver, Washington, February 16th and 17th. All those links are going to be found in the show notes today. Hop on over to Spotify. And as usual, there will be a poll there for you and a question to answer. We would love your feedback. We love hearing from you. Thank you so much for praying for us and for supporting this show. And I will see you right back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.